Father in heaven, we thank you for the goodness and the kindness of your spirit. We thank you for the mercy that has been extended to us for this very day. And God, as we come today, we want to ask you to move in our hearts, to stir us, Lord, to open our eyes. Lord, I pray that you would help us to block out the distractions of our life and the one that the evil one sent. And God, I know that you want to do a major work today in the life of our church. And so, Lord, I, I want to ask that you help us and assist us, God, in the process of just being open, of receiving from you. We ask, God, that you send a spirit of revival. Lord, I ask that you send your spirit upon us in a mighty way so that lives might be transformed and changed for your glory. For those, Lord, who have given up hope, I ask that you restore hope into their heart this morning as they receive from you. And we ask this in the living In the holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, when the music stops is the title of this message. And and, and ironically, we've got a lot of music going on in our church. I just went to the father-daughter dance. My first time to ever do anything like that. I'm not really much of an answer, but my daughter is at age three. Um, Who knew? And then uh, many of you have signed up. We have uh, one for couples for, uh, for I guess, whoever you want to bring with you uh, this, uh, this Saturday night. Um, this is not my goal in life when we started this church to be a dancing church. Um, we're doing it all off campus, for those of you who went to Baylor. Um, my wife went to Baylor. Thank you very much for all, of, all the Baylor hate mail I'll get this week. But nevertheless... What do you do when the music does stop in any relationship? And why does the music stop? Why does heartache sometimes come into the play in relationship? Let, let me give you four reasons that happens, just right up front. Four reasons that happen. Number one, unrealistic expectations. Sometimes we come into relationships, into marriage, with unrealistic expectations. We watch these crazy movies like Jerry Maguire. You complete me! You know what I mean? Like there was two half people walking around and somehow we put them together. Oh, all my problems are over. This is my purpose in life. I was one third of a person. I don't even know how I got out of bed in the morning or how I held a job because I was just a third of a person. Or a quarter or a half or whatever it was. Here's the deal. When we see the book of Genesis that there are two complete people coming together and making one. Okay, so it's not you're part of a person. If you're single today, you're a whole person. Okay? And there are married people who don't feel whole. All right? And marriage is not what makes you feel like you're a, you're a human being. Okay? And that you are, have value by God. That you have a purpose in life. That's created through the person of Jesus Christ, okay? So when we think somebody else is going to make me happy, they're going to make me somebody, I tell you. 
I'm going to be sharp, fit, right. It's all going to happen. As soon as I say I do, then boo-hoo-hoo on you, okay? Because the truth of it is, the truth of it is, is that what they're going to do is they're going to expose things that you think you've hidden. And it's going to aggravate the mess out of you. Okay? And God's going to use the purpose of marriage. And there are going to be great times, but he's also going to use it to refine you. And to purify you. We talked about that last week. You can go back and see last week's sermon. But that's the reality of it is. So it wasn't never intended to meet all your expectations. To meet every desire and want. You're going to sit there and eat grapes and be told how great you are. Okay? That's called a movie. All right? So we've got to recognize the purpose for marriage and the purpose in relationships is not just to solely make you happy. And make you feel good about yourself. Especially when there's things that you shouldn't feel so good about. Okay? And your spouse is going to help you know that. Alright? Welcome. Number two. We think the grass is greener on the other side. Dog, if I had him, I'd really be happy. But I married him. Or I'm with her. Guess what? Him or her ain't so great either. And you aren't either, by the way. And if you were with him, he would be saying the same thing about you probably. All right? So that's it's the deal. The grass is the greenest where you water it. All right? So what grass are you watering? Your imagination? What you wish you would have done or what I think I should have? What are you watering today? Number three, conflict is inevitable. Just recognize conflict. I read a deal a couple weeks ago. And this uh, doctor of psychology who does marriage relationship in University of New York, she said, look, here's the deal. 69% of conflict is unavoidable. 69%. That means two-thirds of the time you aren't going to avoid it. It's going to happen to you anyway. So it's not a matter of, who if I was married to them, I wouldn't have conflict. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't have that. Yeah, you would. It'd be, it looked different. You're going to have conflict anyway, unless you're a drone and you just let everything go over you. Okay. All right. That's great. You're going to have conflict if you have two whole individuals and you were meant to have conflict. You know what? I mean, that's one of the ways that we grow. You know how our children grow? Is we confront them. We do. If we don't, we're bad parents. And they run all over us and they tell us what to do and they kick us out of the house one day. All right? So that's what happens. But no, we confront them. Okay? You are going to have conflict. Question is, how are you going to handle it? What are you going to do? Are you going to be respectful? Or are you going to work out a plan? Or are you going to scream at each other? Like that helps. You're going to nag. You're going to tell the other one how awful they are. Oh, that'll help. That'll really help you a lot there. That'll get you a long way. What are you going to do? Can I just make this public service announcement? Some of us need to go to counseling. And it's not a bad thing. It's, it can be very helpful. Some of us just need to get mentored. Some of us need to get coached. That's okay. That's all right. I, we've been before. I've been before. I need a lot of counseling. I tell you all about it, but my self-esteem won't allow me to, okay? <clears throat> that's, that's, that's not a bad thing. Number four, we depend on modern love. We talked about it last week over divine love. We have this modern love picture, what it's going to be like, how it's going to feel. And then when our feelings go start to diminish, we think, 
I made a mistake, married the wrong person. Yeah, you did, and so did they. So did all this. And you're all the wrong person. The point is, are we going to become the right person in Christ? That's the real answer. And are we going to love, learn to love as Christ loves us, as God loves us, divine love? That's what we're talking about. I'll read a passage of Scripture to you. I don't want you to get mad. This is Jesus, so it's not really cool to get mad at Jesus. And, and I'm just reading his word here in chapter 5, verse 38. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist the evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, then turn the other cheek. He's not advocating abuse, by the way. He's talking, this is an idiom. Basically, he's saying if someone insults you, then let them. Don't return the insult. He continues here and he says, and if someone wants to sue you, let him take your tunic and let him have your cloak as well. He's not saying just give all your clothes away when someone's mad at you. He's saying don't go to court. Don't go don't sue each other. Don't don't put yourself in that situation. Mediate. Find a way to work it out. Go to mediation. Get, can I do another public service announcement for just a second here? And um I I I do not hate lawyers, okay? I'm not I don't I'm, I've told you this before. My father in law is a lawyer, my sister in law is a lawyer, my Brother's a lawyer. We're all lawyered up in my family. But lawyers want your money, okay? In divorce court, they, they get rich off you going through those processes and through suing, okay? Don't give it to them. Keep it, keep it yourself. You need it, okay? If you're having that kind of struggle, let's mediate. Let us help you get a mediator. Don't get into that. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you'll just be mad and broke instead of just mad, okay? Sorry, lawyers. Alright, continuing here. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. He's talking about, uh, basically, it was a law instituted by the Roman government that they could stop someone and ask them to assist them for one mile. And he said, go the extra mile. Give to the one who asks of you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Um, okay, now let me help you. Let's, let's take off our glasses and our lens for just a moment and let's put on this set of lens. Let's talk about when that is your spouse, or that is your ex-spouse, or that is your distant, someone you're in a relationship with that's very distant, or someone that's hurt you, and let's read it. Again, this is Jesus, okay? Don't be mad at me. This is Jesus. I wouldn't have thought to say this, but I'm not the Son of God. Uh, I wouldn't have said it like this, but he is. He is God, and he said this. Think about it in this sense, because sometimes we feel like our spouse is the enemy, and sometimes they act like it. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist, do not go, do not attack the one who is being evil. If someone strikes you in the right cheek, then turn the other. Don't get into it with them. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Don't, don't get into the court. Don't get into the suit business. If someone forces you, if that someone is them, to go a mile, go the extra mile. Give to them when they ask of you and don't turn them away from the one who wants to borrow from you. And he said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor. Okay, I, I love my neighbor. I've, I've got a good neighbor. I love them. And hate your enemy. That sounds very reasonable. But I tell you, love your enemies. Guess what he's not talking about? Let, let me tell you this. He's not talking about the people who are throwing spears and rocks at him at that time. Okay? 
He's talking about the people that they feel ill against, people that they feel like have taken advantage of them. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who are making life hard on you right now. You want to know healing in your own spirit? Begin to pray for those who have hurt you, who have persecuted you. Pray for them that you may be the sons of God. And we do that not because we're so good, but because he is so good. Because out of reverence and love for the Lord, as we talked about before, because of the love that he he exhibited to us while we were still sinners. He causes the sun to rise and and the evil and the good. It makes it rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward have you? Are not the tax collectors doing that? And if you only greet only your brethren, what are you doing more than anyone else? Don't the pagans do that? But be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Or be holy. You know what that word literally means? Be complete as your Father in heaven is complete. As He completely and loves you in all holiness. You know what that is? That's divine love. That's what divine love looks like. It's what's so hard. It's not propagated on movies. But it's what Jesus taught. I want you to see and to hear a real life story of divine love. And how God works when we work inside his principles. I'm going to ask uh, Dr. Matthew Harding and Jennifer Harding to come up. Uh, Dr. Harding... um, has, of course, his doctorate degree and then also is working on two PhDs right now. I don't know anybody that's doing that, um, that's saying. But nevertheless, and uh, his wife is a very successful business owner. She owns her own dental marketing company. And uh, they have a story I just want you to hear and listen to for a moment. And by the way, I didn't tell you this, but there are some resources out on the front, uh, out on our table, right outside the doors when we leave here. If you would like some resources to take with you, you're welcome to have well, good morning. Uh, thank you, Ron. And it's, uh, it's a privilege to be here this morning and to be able, in front of all you fine people, to share our most intimate failures and uh, brokenness and uh, needs. Um, we, uh, we came to Cross Point several months ago, uh, Rock Point Church, several months ago. Um, that's where I served last year. But uh, at Rock Point Church, we... Uh, we came here because we, we, we sensed a vision of what uh, what God was doing to be a sending church and a passionate church for outreach, a community-focused church. And we love that concept, that a church would be looking to see who they could minister to and who they could uh, work with and who they could reach for the glory of God. Uh, but we actually end up staying here because we sensed from the heart of, of Ron and the church staff and the elders here that they really are serious about being a church of reconciliation a church of restoration, a church that would take people wherever they're at and love them where they are and minister to them and not reject them. And uh, a lot of us have unfortunate bad church experiences where in our failures we've been pushed away versus brought in and loved. And I wanted to read a quick verse for us this morning uh, to kind of uh, set a stage for Jennifer and I, our testimony of of 17 years of marriage. Uh, Titus chapter 3 Uh, Verse 3 says, and 4, we also once were foolish, even ourselves. We were disobedient. We were deceived. We were enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, being hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. 
He rescued us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy. Um, this morning, our story, I think, is, is one of hope. Uh, we didn't get a great start. Uh, Jennifer and I, we knew each other from uh, 12 years of age onward, had met in Sunday school. Jennifer was raised in Arkansas and, and me in Tennessee, and uh, we saw each other once a year for summer and became friends and ultimately uh, became good friends, but uh, never had thought of marriage, never certainly had thought of, um, uh, of just spending our life together. Uh, through the course of events, through a broken relationship in my life, who maybe I thought I was going to marry, uh, I, I reached out to Jennifer and, and told her all my struggles emotionally, that I got jilted and discouraged, and she was uh, excited for that, for the fact that she thought maybe we could get married, and um, and, uh, and she was a great friend to me in that process. So we, um, being young, a 19-year-old and 20-year-old, um, she moved to Tennessee and we eloped. Uh, we actually were engaged for 55 minutes. And... We got married in the mountains of Tennessee, and I proposed, and we did it. And and the idea was, uh, you know, we were we were going to face the world and conquer the world for God. But what we didn't realize was that we were so different, not only from socioeconomic background different, but uh, we hadn't dated each other ever, and we hadn't really had any premarital counseling, and we didn't have anyone really in our life that would share that you guys are stupid. What are you doing? This is not wise. So we ran headlong into marriage, and I knew in the depths of my heart that I didn't necessarily love Jennifer or, or feel like uh, she was the, the, the one for me, but I sensed that through, through my pastor and others maybe that she's a good woman, and you don't have to have all those feelings. Those feelings will come eventually. Just be faithful. Uh, do, do right by each other. Um, but the problem with, with us is that I'm just really selfish. And that we put ourselves in a small confine of a, a two-bedroom single trailer in the middle of, of Bun in North Carolina, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we didn't do so well. Uh, being isolated from friends and family and from, from just society, being in the middle of a cow field. For, uh, for our first several years of marriage, it was a real struggle uh, just to find peace among us. Uh, we fought like cats and dogs, and we certainly... Uh, just didn't have any peace, and when I tried to keep finding my fulfillment in Jennifer, that she would fulfill me being my wife, and that she would be the one that would give me uh, my, my, my encouragement, it wasn't there. And I feel like uh, for many years in our marriage, we just kind of limped along. And I, because of my pride, I never felt like I could share that with anyone. I never felt like I could share that with the churches we were at. I never felt like I could share that with my friends, my employers. I didn't feel safe to be vulnerable to say, we're struggling in our marriage. We don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn. We're dying. Would someone just kind of ask us some hard questions and, and put some interest into our life? But unfortunately, because we're such good actors, we uh, we had what other folks would consider a model marriage. There would be people that would desire to emulate what we had and presented as a facade before the people of God. But they had it all together uh, when in the depths of our life we were rotten to the core. And I would love to say that in those times, in those years of just struggle, um, that I was up every morning cracking the word open and, and just begging God for my marriage. But instead, I responded with the, the same selfish response of, 
what's in this for me? And, and this is not what I thought it was. And then kind of resided to the fact that, okay, so this is kind of as good as it gets and we're going to have a lot of conflict and uh, maybe kids coming along will bring us together. And of course, as you guys know, that only brings more strife and tension. Um, and just really not allowing a bitterness to grow, just a numbness and knowing that um, as strong of the personalities we were and as public as our relationship was, there was no way that we could come to anyone and say, we are just not good, like not at all, <laughs> and not in the word, and, and just not in a healthy place in our relationship. So I wasn't fighting for our marriage. I was on my side just diving into the kids and um, not realizing that there was ways that I could bring him more respect or try to, to fight for the marriage in that way, but instead just dove into what I could do to kind of function and get by. Most, like every man in this in this crowd, I uh, was passionate for my work. And I put myself and my energy and all of my heart in an emotional relationship into that, into that work relationship. That's where I found my kudos. That's where I found my encouragement. And so instead of giving it to Jennifer or our children, I dove into what, what made me feel great, which was being successful at what I was doing. Um, coming home would dread it not having any desire to be in the, in the home at all. Um, so emotionally, I'm, I'm dead. I've taken my eyes off of Jesus, and I've put them on my circumstance. I have, uh, for years, about year 11, year 12, decided I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm at the end of my rope to kind of carry our life and this facade of a marriage uh, to a place of where I thought would be uh, some, some kind of relief. And so I made the decision. I, I thought I had to find a way out. I don't know any other way but to end our, end our relationship. And I didn't know how to do that well. But I remember her saying that if I was ever unfaithful to her, that that would be the end of our relationship. And so as I considered that and planned that and thought through that, I, uh, I chose the path of unfaithfulness to Jennifer, knowing that that would end our relationship. And in doing that, what happened is I something that I never expected in that result. It's precious to me how much the Lord loves his character on this earth um, and that's in marriages and how much he wants that to be preserved and lifted up and um, strong. I was prepared in ways before that I didn't even know um, things that I'd read that I was kind of well, digesting and thinking in this great turmoil of our marriage that it's not about you and that it's about displaying the character of Christ. Um, when we were confronted with that truth between us, um, everything that I thought would be the way that I would respond, which is, uh, yeah, we're done. This, that's it. You've gone too far. Um, the Lord just overwhelmed me um, with his truth. And um, I remember in that dark time when I was trying to process and beg God for, that, for what I was supposed to do, he just spoke to me um, in that still small voice. And if you've ever experienced that, it's so real. And he just said to me, I've got this. I've got this in my mighty right hand. And I was like, okay, I trust you. And that's all I could say was, I trust you, Lord. You've proven trustworthy all these years of my life, and I trust you. Um, back in backstory of my testimony, just years of running from God, your typical senior in high school, freshman in college, um, I had run from God. I had been the unfaithful one. And all this did was put my forgiveness and my grace that I'd received in Christ in front of me in a new way and how could I turn my back on my husband who had been unfaithful to me when I had been so unfaithful to the Lord 
And I just knew that's how forgiveness played it out for me. It was that I looked at him and all I saw was me and the grace that had been given me. And I just said, I'm here. I'm not leaving. I forgive you and I love you. And I had hope because I trusted in the Lord and his hand. Well, that obviously wasn't the response I was looking for. Um, I had to be honest to say that when when I confronted Jennifer and, and, and she confronted me, um, my actions were intentional to say that this was this was over for us. Um, and I got a little emotional in the first service, and I'm trying to I'm trying not to be emotional now, but I'm not going to win that battle. When when I saw Jennifer for that time, when I approached her, I saw Jesus Christ in the person of my wife. I saw him show up, and instead of hate and malice and um, separation, I saw, in the first time in my marriage, hope and love and all the emotional needs and all my issues and all the stuff in my past that hadn't ever been fixed in my life to push me to this point. I saw in my wife a desire to reach out and say, let's try again. I saw Jesus Christ show up and say, there's something bigger here than just your marriage. I had no idea how how this would look. I, I didn't know how to fight for it. My my marriage in my, in my mind was dead. I had no emotions. I felt nothing at best. I was numb. But I trusted God enough to say, if I will stay and wait on God, He will show up in His time. I know there's men out there right now who are hearing this that are where I've been emotionally. Your mind is elsewhere. Your heart is elsewhere. You have given up on this relationship with your wife. I know there are women that are listening that might be in the same situation who have given up. But the fact that Jennifer and I can even sit on this stage and look you and and be be very vulnerable and transparent to say that if we can live through this because of God's grace, there's hope and grace waiting for you this morning. I had no hope for us. But God showed up. God showed up. I remember the weeks after I hadn't cracked my Bible. I didn't want to pray. I was just numb. And I was waiting for something to happen. And when, when through a series of events, I, I finally opened my Bible and was told to turn to Psalm 107. And I read Psalm 107, verse 20, and the Bible says, And through the Word of God, He healed. And it was interesting, as I read it, it was talking about the Word of God healing. And at that moment, God showed up to heal my life and heal my heart, to help me to sense that there's hope. That outside of my life and our failure and my issues, that God wanted to do something bigger in us for His glory. And God wanted to redeem our marriage, that we would be a part of a church that would say, there is hope when everything is bleak, and there is hope when we can't taste or see or smell hope. And that Christ is real and His grace is real. And this morning, I believe that our bleeding before you and being vulnerable before you, not knowing how you'll respond to me, 
in rejection or acceptance, I believe God would have you here this morning that God is alive and well. And He loves marriage. And He wants this morning for your marriage to be healed. Uh, Ron and I had talked about what are the steps I had put in place in my life as uh, these years, five, five plus years later, um, to help me to walk and be faithful as a man. And I have uh, a new relationship with my wife. If we had a picture, we went to Hawaii some years ago and got married on a beach. Uh, again, just us. And um, I was the groom, and I walked myself down the aisle, and I performed the wedding ceremony. It was awesome. And uh, there was was a bride there, a gorgeous bride, and and, uh, we did our vows, you know, for real and for uh, forever. And um, I lived my life transparent before Jennifer, whereas before in our marriage, I was never able to be real and honest and vulnerable and transparent. I hid my issues and my problems and I didn't want to be transparent. And now we've we've walked in these five five plus years in transparency. I have a brother in Christ dear in this city in, in Arkansas that we meet and we talk weekly and uh, about my life and ministry and all that God has done and is doing. And uh, we committed ourselves to go to a church to be a part of a church. And it's hard sometimes, and I hate to say this, to find a church where the church is about restoration, about reconciliation. That sometimes can be a difficult find, but Rock Point Church, we're home. This is where God wants us to be among you, to live among you, to serve among you, and to reach out and say we're willing to help marriages to be where we've been, to taste grace, where God would bring them. And that's our life and our heart this morning to say, let us be a resource of grace and prayer for you. And you know who we're talking to this morning. Thank you for letting us share our testimony. Well, thank you, Matthew and Jennifer. Uh, and uh, we are they're going to be available in our welcome room after the service. And here in a few moments at the end of the service, uh, there are going to be several of us just here to pray. Maybe you're, you'll be here this morning and you just want protection prayed over your marriage or your relationship. Maybe you're single, you're a single mom, single dad, or maybe you're just single and just like, I just, I just want God's hand upon me. I want God to work in my heart and my life and prepare me and to use me. Uh, I just need prayer. We we want to offer that at the end of the service as well, and we'll we'll conclude the service like that. But I, I want to give you four things to consider doing to help protect your marriage. Uh, for now, to pe- protect your relationship. One is I, I want you to to listen when others tell you their story, Valley Fun, particularly this morning. That that's been a very painful journey. It's not one you'd sign up for before, but but listen and recognize uh, what it cost and that God can redeem, but redemption comes still with a lot of scarring. And so I want you to, to remember that. And I want you to remember that there is hope that's been given to. Number two, avoid the object of your lust or temptation. Avoid it. I, it seems like every week I sit down and talk with people who, are like my three-year-old, and the stove's hot. Don't touch it. What if I touch it right here? Right here? I'm right here, and eventually they put their hand on it, and it burns. And they weren't quite ready for the pain that that burn caused. 
avoid it. Cut it off. That's what Jesus was talking about. He said it would be better to take your eye and to pluck it out. Take your hand and cut it off. Don't flirt with temptation. Number three, be accountable. Uh, I have some accountability questions out there if you would like to use them. Again, there's some resources out there that can help you. We have some here. Uh, we do several things, for everything from divorce recovery to um, marriage mentoring, uh, counseling, what, whatever. And we have counselors that will be in our welcome room. However we can help you, we want to help you, but you've got to take a step. If we can pray for you, if you just need prayer, let us do that. Number four, remember this. Remember that God sees our condition. He knows what we're doing. He knows what we're thinking. He knows what we're plotting, what we're planning. He sees and knows our hearts. And if we believe that he is real, if we believe that this is not all a facade, then we have to know that he sees our heart. He knows our mind. He knows our heart. This morning, I want to invite you to listen to the Spirit of God and open yourself up for prayer, for encouragement, for strength. And if you're here this morning, whether you be single or married, whether you come alone without your spouse, whether you've gone, you're in a time of separation, whether you're just time to seek the Lord, I want to ask you to take a step this morning and allow us to pray over you. We're going to conclude our service like that. If you're not, that's not where you are, you're going, I'm not really needing prayer or anything of that nature, then then I'll just allow you to just dis- dismiss yourself, okay? And that, that's great. But if God's speaking to you this morning, I want to invite you to respond. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this time. And thank you for the goodness and the mercy that has been extended to us, the grace that has been extended to us. And God, as we prepare this morning uh, to receive from you <clears throat> and also to give back to you, God, then we, we invite you to move in our heart and our lives. We want to thank you in advance for what you're going to work to accomplish. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.